0: Fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify, you're listening to 40 and 20 The Watch Clicker Podcast with your hosts, Andrew and my good friend Everett. Here we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like.
1: Everett, how are you? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I, uh, you know, feel like uh, my, my whole life is just sort of restorative right now, it's palliative. I'm, uh, you know, just (laughs) everything I do is just pain control. No, not really. I'm good. I, uh, two weeks out from wind up San Francisco. So I'm excited about that. Mm -hmm. I inadvertently planned a cross country trip yesterday. You Uh, did? Yeah. And so I'm excited about that.
0: You were kind of kidnapped a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Shanghai, I think is maybe the most appropriate term for that. Sure. Sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, you know, basically, I agreed to go to a football game, thinking the game was in Eugene, when in fact it was it, when it's in Atlanta, and yeah. so I'm going to Atlanta, where the players play, <laughs> <laughs> and the Ducks apparently, yeah, this September, and the Dogs, and the Dogs, yeah, well, the Dogs don't normally play there, but they are going to play there, yeah, for this one time only special event. Mm. So yeah, that happened. Uh, But yeah, otherwise I'm good. Andrew, how are you? I'm not good. I had a bad day. (laughs) I feel like that is the theme of how are you doing.
0: Yeah. Well, usually I don't have like bad days. Like I have, you know, everyone has hard days. Today I had a bad day. Today I suffered a catastrophic mechanical failure of my car while I was on the way home. And this is one of those mechanical failures that, like, I, I knew it was on the horizon. I just figured it would hold off until I got it into the mechanic shop, mm. which was already scheduled before the catastrophic failure, which is maybe my fault. Maybe I shouldn't have scheduled my appointment with the mechanic. So I had a, I had a break issue for those of you who I haven't already explained this to, I uh, had a brake issue and I can, like I just knew. I was like, oh, my brakes need replaced. Well, today my brake pad fell out of my caliper. Um, but you can't diagnose that while you're driving. You just have to like, you, you, you make a choice. Either limp home or get towed from where you are. Or you can get out, diagnose it, and realize that you could maybe fix it with the tools that you have in your toolbox And then limp home. I elected to limp home, which is an extremely stressful drive with a squishy brake pedal in 5 p.m. traffic. We don't live in a big city, but we do have rush hour traffic. And to use engine braking and momentum exclusively in rush hour traffic is...
1: Let me ask you a question. Does Andrew, the law enforcement officer, and does Andrew, the guy who's just trying to get his truck home at rush hour in the afternoon do they make different decisions in this situation
0: andrew the law enforcement officer has given andrew the (laughs) member of the motoring public today a traffic citation for the exact behavior that he exhibited (laughs) i had a feeling that's That's called operating an unsafe vehicle (laughs) it was willful but i also didn't I, i was a hazard to the motoring public unbeknownst to the motoring public it ain't ain't cheating if you don't get right if i had been in a crash if i had made unsafe choices barring the operation of my unsafe vehicle i would have gotten a ticket i would have eaten it and i would have deserved it but
1: and you'd have gotten like a ribbing around the station oh god it would have been miserable
0: Mm -hmm. it would have been very unpleasant and i would have deserved it but you can you can do things that are not necessarily safe and make safe, like mitigating decisions on that, right? You don't drive on an interstate at
1: 25 miles an hour because that's the safe operating speed of your vehicle. That's that's unsafe. I tell my wife the same thing. You can, you can mitigate the risks all the time. I usually don't have a shirt on.
0: Yeah, I know the route. Like I knew the route I needed to take that had two stop signs instead of my usual route, which has several stop lights and several stop signs. I took the route that had minimal traffic control devices and also minimal traffic. Because it's like one of those secret routes through town that people just don't take because it's not the most direct. Yeah. But it also requires very little braking. I get it, man. Uh so yeah, that's that was my day. And it's, then
1: it's dealt with your
0: cars at the shop. Yeah, my car got towed to the shop today and they're gonna fix it. And and when I got home, I was able to diagnose the the squishy brake pedal and be like, oh, okay. That caliper goes in that. Yeah, that that, that brake pad goes in that that caliper. You don't belong there, friend. (laughs) Uh, So it was a uh, not as catastrophic as I thought it would be. It's the same issue. It's just a little bit shorter timeline.
1: You know, and much as the whole world, myself included, probably not the whole world, but as much as the world thinks of podcasts in terms of car talk
0: this is an auto podcast right this we are talking oh no about we're doing 40 to. and 20 tonight
1: <laughs> we're talking about watches today we are and we're going to you know as we were prepping for this episode as i was reading and researching i was like we've talked about this before but i think we've we're going to sort of bring together a bunch of different things that we've talked about
0: i think we're maybe going to renounce our previous episodes on this topic via this
1: topic yeah i don't know i don't know what you mean by that but maybe we'll see i guess we'll just see how this goes uh i don't plan on making a a renouncing shit i stand by it (laughs) and i believe this too (laughs) uh but we're going to talk about pilot watches today we're going to sort of comprehensively
0: try to understand the idea of a pilot's watch yeah yeah. <clears throat> and I'm going to give you my hot take right now. There's no such thing as a pilot's watch.
1: Yeah, or or there are several different things known as a pilot watch. Which
0: means there's no one thing known as a pilot's watch. Several one things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it is the island of misfit toys. <laughs> it is the worst defined most all-encompassing catch-all definition
1: of a watch yeah right yeah i think so i I mean well we're going to look at this we're going to talk about kind of what it is and then we're going to talk about the most common different versions of this or maybe some of the most common different versions of this as we progress
0: yeah because there are some really traditionally accepted yeah. pilots watches but they also kind of come with their own terminology right like a fleeger, you know exactly what i'm talking about a pilots chronograph you have an idea in your head and that is wholly different than the idea that i have in my head they're like not even in the same ballpark <laughs>
1: well maybe the best way to start this episode and this is a fun place to start uh because it is kind of the start of the story of wristwatches. We're going to go back to 1904 and talk about a fellow named Alberto Santos Dumont. Now, if you if you don't know who Alberto Santos Dumont is, it's because you're not a Brazilian. Mm-hmm. Brazilians will tell you that he was the first person to fly an airplane. And there's some caveats there. There's some big caveats there. There's some caveats. So famously, the Wright brothers, first manned air flight, 1903. But there's some problems with the way they did it. They like sort of launched off a pole with a slingshot type thing.
0: And kind of mostly just like... Arrested their momentum ish while they fell to the earth. That's right. That's right. So they were uh, maybe the first parachuters. <laughs> uh,
1: Alberto santos is the first guy who flies a self. What? what what's? I wrote down a word here. Uh, unassisted. So a powered space flight. So he, or not space, not a space powered flight. Air, yeah. airplane flight. So he, so first he was a lighter than air pilot prior to this. And in 1906, he designs an airplane. It's got wheels. It's got a motor. It can be stopped and then unassisted takeoff all by himself. And he's kind of the first guy that does this. And there's a number of folks will say he's first. It's kind of a pissing contest, right? I mean, I think. And who is the first to summit Everest? Right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the dude, dude right. who
0: wrote the history and
1: published a pamphlet first. In any event, this guy is kind of a celebrity, right? He's got this really flamboyant personality. He's got this great mustache. He's this dude. Mm. That's right. He's a dude. He's a dude. And he's friends. He's really good friends with a guy named Louis Cartier. Uh-oh. Who, who, it, it, that's a name we, we start to know. That's a name we start to know. So... Louis Cartier one day and Santos Dumont are, I think, probably sitting down in a cafe somewhere drinking expensive cocktails, talking about the things, aristocracy. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) And They're sticking it to the man. Our friend Alberto says, hey, Louis, I need a watch then i don't have to pull out of my pocket this pocket watch is so annoying and it's huge and it's attached to my
0: my waistcoat it's obnoxious so in
1: 1904 louis cartier
0: and i need both hands to manage this thing that i'm flying through the air
1: makes his buddy alberto santos dumond aka santos makes him What a lot of people will tell you is the first wristwatch. And then you'll say, well, is that really the first wristwatch? And they're like, yeah. And you're like, "Mm, but isn't... And they're like, okay, well, so it's the first purpose-built wristwatch. And then you're like, but wasn't there purpose-built wristwatches? And they're like, whoa. Yeah, but... So so it's the first purpose-built wristwatch made for men. An aviator, specifically. (laughs) So... A lot of people will tell you that Santos de is the beginning of wristwatches. And I might be okay with that statement. It's sort of the beginning of the wristwatch movement, especially as it pertains to men, because in the first part of the 20th century, if a woman did it, it was dumb. And if a man did it, it was a thing. So we're kind of there, right? And, yeah. Uh, and so for seven years, our friend Alberto is the only guy that gets this thing and it's beautiful. It looks just like a Santos today. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's missing a few features. I don't think it had screws on the face um, but it's a precious metal tiny little, I think like 28 and a half millimeters, this tiny little beautiful gorgeous Santos. And for seven years, he was the only guy that got him. And then in 2011
0: 1911, not 2011. 19- it happened sooner than that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: In 1911, Cartier makes these things for the world. Uh, but really, this is kind of, in some respects, the beginning of the story of wristwatches. So, first wristwatch, the first wristwatch, I'm putting my finger quotes up, is a pilot's watch. And it's nothing like any of the other pilot's watches that we're going to talk about today.
0: No, and when and to be fair, Cartier is unlike any other watch brand in the world. Yeah they're in they exist in this really unique high fashion luxury jeweler luxury stuff they're just unique they're yeah. they're unusual
1: to be in the urology conversation well in the 20th century yeah. that was i mean those that was watches watches yeah. were high end and they've just kind of held it and decorated. it's decorated cool yeah so as far as characteristics that we think of in terms of pilot watches, it, this was a watch and that's kind of it. It, yeah. it, you know, like it was a watch that had a strap and that's it. It was notable because a pilot wanted it for having his hands free as he operated his plane. But beyond that, this didn't really do pilot things. But it also didn't not do
0: pilot things.
1: Sure didn't not do them.
0: Right? Right. I mean, when you, cons- when yeah. you consider what the requirements are of early aviators, they're significantly greater than the requirements are of modern aviators. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And modern aviators have all this cool technology, not just in their aircraft, but on their wrist, to ease their aviation. And when you think of the Santos, it's a three-hand, legible watch. That was the peak of aviator need for (laughs) watches. And that's what they had. No instruments in the aircraft besides like what they could see, which is literally just out of the aircraft and the earth that they were soaring above. Maybe hover not hovering, gliding above. Gliding. <laughs> Falling too. And now, aviators don't need anything. There's a, there's a, there, we call it autopilot. <laughs> right? That's a thing for a reason. Yeah. And we also have the most technologically advanced instruments that can be worn on your wrist.
1: Yeah. So. I mean same, it's like just like a dive watch in the dive computer. Yeah. But when we think about pilots watches,
0: in my head, I immediately go to a big dial, like forty to forty five watch. Super simple three hander mm-hmm. with adequate loom. Doesn't even need to be good loom, just adequate loom. Maybe a 24-hour track. And that's it. That's what I think of when I think of a pilot's watch. But I see up on your phone. First watch you want to talk about is the Nighthawk.
1: It's not the first watch I want to talk about. It's the first watch that's up. I think I want to talk about that last. Okay. I think I want to talk about that watch last. Uh, We don't have to talk about it last. Well, fuck it. You, You sort of ruined it. I ruined it. You ruined the surprise. Well, maybe
0: you shouldn't have flashed me the kimono.
1: Yeah, but... So let's talk about this one just just quickly here because it's an interesting watch. It doesn't look like a pilot's watch. Yes, it does. It it only looks like a pilot watch because you've opened this world up and said there's no category. There's
0: airplanes on it.
1: It looks like a pilot's watch. (laughs) We do have some categories that we're going to talk about. Um, But this is a purpose-built pilot watch. Mm -hmm. And so... Just moving through it, there's a couple of problems with this watch, but they can be remedied. So first is big crown.
0: Big old crown to
1: be worn in gloves because it's cold when you're flying in an airplane. It's got a big old crown. It's got, it's got a big face, a big dial, right? So and when you see this thing in person, it's actually bigger than you might expect. It's chunky, Yeah. And the watch isn't that <laughs> big, but that dial, it's all dial.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I would say legibility is a problem with yes. this watch. It has got a very busy dial. It,
0: but you know what? It's it's legibility issue in the way like a, textri- a Texas instrument calculator has legibility. You you look at that thing for the first time when you take algebra, and you're like, "What the fuck is this?" Mm-hmm. There are two thousand buttons on this calculator. I'm accustomed to zero through nine plus minus divide times equals. Mm -hmm. And then the CE button that nobody knows what it does or what it stands for. (laughs) And then you get this instrument with two and a half times more buttons that all have great functionality, have great value, and are tools that you need to do the job that you don't know what you're doing yeah. yet. That's, that's that's this Pilot's Watch. This is too advanced for us.
1: Well, it does. I mean, so this has got some functions on it that are easy to use, right? So it's got, I think that it has a... Tells time. Uh, <laughs> it's got a dual time function, right? So, oh yeah, it's got the white white airplane, red It's airplane. got the white and
0: red for your dual time 24-hour track, which is
1: really innovative to save space it's got a slide rule which nobody knows how to use an index slide rule um and we'll talk about that a little bit later uh maybe in just a second it's got a date function it's got big 12 6 so yeah i, I think w- when i think of a pilot's watch this isn't what i think about but this is in many ways a really potentially um purpose-built pilot watch best in class even yeah i i mean certainly in there right and and in terms of a watch we talk about this often but in terms of a watch it's got all the things i want right it's got a good degree of water resistance it's got cachet um quote-unquote x factor if you will uh it's got a great movement a fun a fun movement in any event eco drive it's just fantastic technology even if it's a little boring um yeah, this is a great watch. It's going to last forever. It's going to be accurate. If you're actually using this for piloting things, you're going to be able to.
0: And we'd love to hear from you if you're
1: actually using this for
0: piloting things because neither of us know how to use a slide rule even as a soft boy leg timer.
1: <laughs> well, well, why don't we start there then with the slide rule? And, and although the Nighthawk is a slide rule watch, And it features prominently on that dial. It is not the slide roll watch. No. The slide roll watch, as we've talked about pretty recently, is the Breitling Navitimer. Yes. The Breitling Navitimer. So the 50s, Breitling comes out with the Navitimer. And and prior to the 50s, really, um, engineers, uh, scientists... Uh, basically anyone in a profession where you need to do calculations and conversions, math. So designers um, would use a thing called a slide rule. And you've seen these things, no doubt, but it's like a stick. It's actually three parallel rulers and oftentimes the middle one slides, thus slide rule. Mm -hmm. And you slide it out upon an index to make conversions it's a calculator it yep. does division and multiplication and that's what it does aided by the human brain aided by the human brain that's okay. right so it is it, so a slide rule is built on an on a logarithmic scale which means which means that it it orders orders of magnitude control mm-hmm. the increases so as you know as you go more distance you've got a less a smaller higher distance means a smaller interval you Um, have to do the small math
0: so that the slide rule can do the big math
1: that's right it also a a slide rule generally ignores decimals yeah so 50 can be 500 or it can be five or
0: five thousand.
1: that's right a slide rule ignores decimals so you have to have a pretty good idea so i watched a few videos on this today actually as we were studying for this because i kind of wanted to be able to talk about it and
0: i'm not smart enough i don't get it i've watched videos on it i'm like i just don't fucking get it i just want to be able to time my soft boil leg
1: you know i think it's probably um like anything else that if you got this so a i don't think it would be a good boil time I, I i know that's always the joke i don't think it really is necessary for that no it
0: needs longer it needs bigger math <laughs> no what really it, i mean
1: what it needs is a conversion mm-hmm. what a slide rule does is it converts things so if you need to convert how much fuel you've used, miles to hours, how many miles per hour. If you need to convert standard to metric, if you need to convert miles to kilometers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a slide rule will allow you to make those conversions. That's what we typically think. But really, it's just multiplication and division. That's what a slide rule does. And so they it uses an index. There's a, if you ever look at a Breitling, there's a red a red indicator at 10, which is, I think at the 10 o'clock or at the 10 minute mark. Mm. Um, and that is sort of the guide to everything. You set the 10 where you want the thing, and then you'd look around either on the big scale or the small scale, depending on if you're dividing or adding, and that's your answer. So I saw a video of a guy showing a, how to convert miles to kilometers or vice versa. I can't remember. I think it was vice versa. And B, how to calculate a tip. I was like, oh, this is great. I get this. I get this. Um, so that's really what it does. But I don't get it. for a pilot, that kind of information can be incredibly useful. And we talk a lot about divers don't use dive watches anymore they use dive computers well s- pilots today still learn how to use a slide rule to make on the fly calculations um and the reason they do is because sometimes you don't have the ability to use a calculator or whatever sometimes all you need is a quick number and so if you have a slide rule you can make that number on the fly uh <laughs> so it is still yeah that was unintended <laughs>
0: but uh, I was thinking of like Southwest pilots, like we need to do an emergency landing here because there's a pilot attacking our staff. <laughs> <laughs>
1: or not a pilot, a passenger. <laughs> well, it, it, yeah, and maybe you could use a slide roll for that. So in any even it's a thing, right? This is a thing and it's beautiful. And this is, for me, one of the iterations, more than a Nighthawk, one of the iterations of a pilot's watch.
0: Do you know why it's beautiful though? uh because it's this really because it looks elegant solution to a pretty complex problem Mm. that's why it's beautiful to me
1: yeah the rotational slide rule is a is a cool is a cool thing
0: yeah like props to that dude (laughs) simple solutions to complex problems is like the truth and that's what a slide rule is on a watch yeah but that's in my head, like that's a, a component of a pilot's watch, but that's not what I think of when I think of a pilot's watch. I'm thinking of a three hander with a triangle at the north.
1: You're thinking of just a Flieger. Just a Flieger. A, a B err yeah. B errin.
0: That's a pilot's flieger. watch to me.
1: So Flieger means pilot. B errin means observation watch. Mm-hmm. AKA navigator. Yeah, and I think for many, many people, probably most people, when they think of Pilot Watch, that's what they think of
0: And I don't go nap timer. I don't go X33. I don't go to like any of these like computers. Even though those are the most functional tool for the job. Yeah. I certainly don't go like 1963, (laughs) which is also a Pilot's watch.
1: Yeah. Well, so let's talk about the Flieger. So Mm -hmm. we've talked about this recently. Like I said, this watch is going to be kind of a culmination of a number of this episode is going to be a culmination of a number of different episodes. But the Flieger is maybe the pilot watch. No, the Santos is the pilot watch. <laughs> okay. So after the Santos, the Flieger is maybe the pilot watch. And I uh, I always think of these things in context of modern watches, right? Because it's something you can buy a Flieger today. But it's important to note that these were not what we think of today. And that you basically cannot buy an actual Bueren Flieger. They're, they make them. I think Laco sells one. But when we talk about a Flieger, we're talking about a fifteen fifty-five millimeter thigh watch.
0: You know who still makes those?
1: Laco Nixon. Oh yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah. So you know, you know what these look like. There's two types: Type A, Type B type a is the simple more um m- more clean dial one through 11 triangle at 12 and they only made those for two years so 40 and 41. and then after that the type B and that is where you have a uh, five to 55 track on the outside and a smaller hour ring on the inside and usually separated usually sector separation these things were made of gray varnished brass, typically, sometimes steel. Big-ass onion crown.
0: Mm. So you could use it in gloves because it's cold in an airplane.
1: And a ch- extra-long riveted leather strap so you could wear it around your thigh.
0: So you didn't have to remove your hands from the controls.
1: Yep. Because
0: you should not
1: one-handed fly. Yeah. <laughs> Or drive home without brakes.
0: Um, you know, we all make choices. But the functionality, right? I mean, and that's, I think, maybe the defining factor of a pilot's watch. You know, we, we think about <clears throat> what makes a dive watch. Well, it's a dive timer, whether it be an internal or external rotating bezel, water resistance, if we think about a driving chronograph you got to have a chronograph right that's in the name mhm we think about a field watch which is discrete, loom 12 24 hour track and i think the pilot watch defining factor is a tool it might not be all the tools you need, but it's a purpose-specific tool, whether it be a slide rule, whether it be legibility and a big-ass strap to wrap around your thigh. It's a specific function toward the goal of the intended end user, Mm. even if they're not the same. Mm -hmm. Because an SNK is as much a pilot's watch as a Navitimer is as much a pilot's watch as Santos. And those watches have nothing in common besides the fact that they are watches. (laughs) Right? There's just a tool. There's a functionality there that exists that's purpose-driven to a pilot. Like this thing would be convenient for a pilot to have. Mm.
1: yeah well right i think yeah i have no fucking clue what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> it's all right <laughs> uh yeah i well i i mean you, the point is right that a wristwatch just period was useful for a pilot in a way that it was not immediately apparent to everyone should be useful for everyone yeah a slide rule is
0: not valuable to me i like it but that doesn't make a pilot's watch is a component of many pilots' watches, but purely having a slide rule
1: doesn't make it a pilot's watch.
0: But it does. It's kind of a conundrum,
1: right? Yeah. Well, I think that's the nice thing about pilots' watches is they come in so many different. Uh, they come in so many different forms that you can kind of pick the one you want. Well,
0: and we can we can move on. So we've talked about, you know, the origin. We've talked about the Fleeker. We've talked about the Nighthawk. Yeah. Let's move on to. In 1963.
1: Well, so, so, it, and and it bears mentioning that the Flieger also comes in a chronograph iteration. So yeah, there weren't specific specifications for the Flieger chronograph, but the Flieger watch that we think about was also made by several companies, notably Hanhart and Tutima, for a Flieger chronograph, uh, based on, you know, whatever literature was out there. And so, yeah, that's where my head immediately goes when I think of a pilot's chronograph. I think of the 1963, the Project 304 from the People's Liberation Army in Cold War China. Which is diminutive. Smallish, yes.
0: And it's only real f- functionality beyond being a three-hander. I mean, beyond being a dress watch. Is its chronograph functionality, but it's a pilot's watch. Yeah. Simply because it has a chronograph, which is a dumbed down. You got to do more math. Slide rule. Right. The, the The math isn't done on the bezel. You got to do it in your head against time. Yeah. That a Navitimer and a 1963 are in the same shoot of watch style, it's hard for me to accept. But we accept it. When you really think about it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I love my Siegel 1963. So the Seagull 1963 is interesting for a whole bunch of reasons, uh, none of which are its capabilities as Pilot's Watch, beyond being a chronograph, like you said. Um, and we don't need to get into them today, but, you know, it was made by the PLA in 1961. It's actually, so we all refer to them as the 1963, and I think even collectors who are talking about the original are oftentimes call them a 1963. Really more appropriate. it's called a Project 304, um, which was the name of the project, um, designed in 1961 and finally produced in 1963. Um, those watches are cool. Those watches are cool. They're affordable. They're beautiful. They are beautiful. Uh, the ST19 movement is... really a fantastic thing and the fact that there's a company several companies perhaps still making that same dozens maybe st19 uh column wheel chronograph today and it works usually uh it's 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 a really cool watch i'm glad it exists i'm glad to own one but yeah your point is what about this makes it a pilot watch well it's a watch that someone made for a pilot.
0: Very much like the Santos.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, perhaps. Maybe a little bit more functional than the Santos just by way of having a chronograph, but...
0: You pay enough attention to your watch. Any watch is a chronograph.
1: Yeah. So I think in this line, so we're going to go back in time, just a little bit back to World War II, because I think there's one other watch that we can kind of lump into these. Um, But Seiko, our friends at seiko who were not our friends at the time of world war ii also made a watch called the tenkosu seikosha a predecessor to the brand we know as seiko um and these are oftentimes referred to as the kamikaze watch right yes but that's a little bit of a misnomer because Um,
0: none of the kamikaze watches survived right (laughs) What? by nature of what they did
1: these were made for pilots of a certain type of aircraft which were in fact used for kamikaze missions
0: intended to crash intended to crash
1: but uh the watch itself the tenkosu was made for the the whole the whole army even the pilots intended to return or the whole air force yeah that's yeah. right <laughs> so uh, these are, I think, from what I can tell, these are all Type B Fleegers, mm-hmm. so they certainly weren't of the same design specifications. And if you could look at them, which uh, isn't shocking, given the um, you know
0: friendliness, yeah, during the era, I'm sure there was technology sharing.
1: Well, and and Japan was was kind of isolationist too. Um, I think these are not as legible uh, a watch as the as the Fleegers. Um, but they're, they're pretty cool. And they're also huge. 48, I think 48, 49 millimeters on the Tinkosu. So, um,
0: you need that legibility. I mean, that's when I think of a pilot's watch, when I'm thinking design something for a pilot who exists in a marginally environmentally stable atmosphere, Wide variation of temperatures, wide variations of visibility. I'm I'm not, I'm not gonna give them a 36 millimeter watch with Roman numerals, because that doesn't make sense. You need that big dinner plate visibility. You know, loom technology is not in in the mid 20th century. So you need something big. You just smear it off with your thumb and get the fog off, and hopefully it's not on the inside. Right? Yes. But here we are, you know, in 1963 from the same like virtually the same era.
1: You're at 38. I think the final big category of pilot's watches that we haven't yet talked about. We talked about it just a little bit at the beginning. Um I don't tend, tend to think of GMT watches as pilot watches, but it is a feature that was designed for air travel. Yeah. Pilots, not just air travel, but pilots. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a dual <laughs> time feature, Pan Am pilots uh, famously um, wanted to have this dual time feature. I want to be able to tell time in two different time zones once. I need to know what time it is in the place I left, and what time it's going to be in the place I left. Or, or even,
0: and you know, when we're in the origination of Zulu time, which is GM, like true Greenwich Mean Time (GMT), what, which is the 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 standard by which pilots operate. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I it's three o'clock where I'm taking off, but it's X o'clock GMT, I'm expected to arrive at X o'clock GMT. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep my watch on where I am so I can physically, you know, for crew rest, track how long I've been working. That's a huge functionality. Yeah. Like not just for safety, but for just like peace of mind. It's hard to drive until God knows when. But when you know you've only got an hour and 45 minutes left on that trip, you get the power. Like Jesus comes and sits in your lap and just like powers you through that 18-hour haul. That's important. And and for more than just like the morale, but also like functionally, okay, these are the things that have to occur after landing. These are the, like, th- there's there's... Logistics parts that go into that. And that's, I think, for me, beyond legibility, one of the most important parts of a pilot's watch is a dual-time capability.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that's one of the reasons that the first watch we talked about today, Mm -hmm. the Nighthawk, is such a good pilot's watch because it does all of the actually complicated things that we want. It does the simpler things, the basic timekeeping, but it's also got dual time. It's also got airplanes on it, which is cool with airplanes. It's all (laughs) it's also got your slide rule. Um, So in some ways, the the Nighthawk is the culmination of these ideas. Now, you don't get a chronograph. You don't get. But you
0: can use your slide rule as a chronograph.
1: You can use your chronograph as a slide rule, perhaps. No, I think
0: think if you're smart, you can use your slide rule stopper as a chronograph. You you just have to commit some shit to memory. I'm not wearing a chrono. Are you wearing? No. Yeah, you are. (laughs) No, but you don't have a tack on it. If you look at a tack. Yeah, I do. Oh, yeah. You can look at it and you can acknowledge like, these are approximations of where things belong on attack. And against a slide rule, you can use your second hand to perform that function. It's a higher level functioning, but if you can use a slide rule, you can you can reasonably accomplish that higher level.
1: I'm going to acknowledge that you've already stated you don't know how to use the slide rule. So we'll take what you're saying now with a grain of salt because I don't think that actually is a thing, but I think you can <laughs> Okay, just show me what you're talking about. Um, so yeah, in some ways that Nighthawk is the culmination of those ideas. Right. Um, and that makes it interesting and it makes it fun and it's a good watch. I don't know. Um, I don't know that any of this stuff is necessary. What with a- Apple watches or whatever, but it's all kind of cool. So, um, I think the final watch that you that we we kind of talked about um, before we went live is the Omega X thirty three Skywalker, which
0: is the astronaut watch of the day. Which is the astronaut watch of the day? That's and, right. And they're doing a lot of flight.
1: Yeah, I think I think probably they are. This is a pretty neat watch. Um, this the the X thirty three in general, and as well as the Seamaster iterations mm-hmm. that preceded it. Um, but this is kind of, if, you know, I, I think it was one of the big watch blog bigs wrote an article about this at one time and said, if you were going to sit down and design a watch for pilots, in particular space pilots,
0: who operate on a different plane,
1: right? This uh is the watch you'd design. And, and in some ways that's exactly what they did. So it's an anti digi. Mm hmm. It's an anti-Digi watch, so you've got an analog function and also a digital function. Which gives you
0: inherent dual time.
1: That's right. That's right. Uh, But in addition to that, you've got all sorts of special features that are specific to space missions. Mm -hmm. So you've got uh, the the features that get spoken about most often with the X-33 are the maintained mission elapsed time, and phase elapsed time, which are things that are necessary for space missions. Uh, I don't think that the X-33 is on NASA's current space timer list, but it is on the ESA's space timer list. And it does things that the ESA wants you to have for for International Space Station, for ISS mm-hmm. missions. And those things are mission elapsed time and phase elapsed time, MET and PET. The other thing that comes up with the X33 often is its alarm. Supposedly this thing has an alarm that is like the same decibels as a vacuum cleaner. And even people who are like, don't need this thing are like, that's a sick alarm.
0: How does a watch that is 44 millimeters.
1: Which is also a bit of a misnomer. It's more like a 42 millimeter watch. But.
0: Yeah, I mean, speedies wear small, but yeah. not lug to lug.
1: And I don't know. I've
0: never worn an X33. Nope, me either. I want to wear an X33 because that might be my Speedmaster.
1: But, but how, how does a watch? How does it do that? I, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's like one of those old midi.
0: like a baby just like just can turn it on
1: (laughs) supposedly it's really loud though
0: but that's the that's the space watch to me that's the flight watch that's the pilot's watch the next 33 it's purpose designed in every single characteristic to be for pilots because that's all astronauts are pilots as they just travel vertically instead of horizontally Mm -hmm. and then they eventually travel horizontally this travel vertically for farther. smack my mic while i was doing a vertical hand motion
1: so you you started with the thesis that pilot watches was kind of a meaningless phrase uh I think that in some ways it's not meaningless. It's just multi multi multi-definitional. Uh, have you changed your position on that at all? (coughs) No, my position remains pilots
0: watches are the Island of misfit toys. Uh, they are a watch that was, has one characteristic, just one single characteristic that would be beneficial to a pilot, whether it be legibility in the way of size, loom, a tool, it is the watch category that we throw watches in that fit in no other category, but we still like. Yeah. Because watches we don't like don't get don't become pilots watches. <laughs> right? I mean, when you think about one watch that you don't like, that it's just like, eh, you know, I don't know, it's not great in really any category. You don't go, it's a pilot's watch. It's got three hands. You can read it. You go, know, I don't know, it fits maybe into this category, but kind of misses in these regards. If you tried to sum up any of the watches we've talked about and the Pilot's Watch catch-all didn't exist, you would have no way to define this watch. I mean, well, it's a driving chronograph, but not because it doesn't have a chronograph. It's got this weird fucking thing that like does the math for you. It's a field watch, but not because it's enormous and it only has a three, six, nine with a triangle at the 12. I don't, I don't know. (laughs) It's the catch all and we tolerate this catch all because we love these watches because they're fucking cool.
1: Yeah. And
0: we just accept them as pilots watches.
1: Andrew, other things. What do you got?
0: I have another thing. I know you do. I can see it. I brung it. So I'm uh, minimalist isn't the right word because I buy things to be more minimalist. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: a, that's probably uh, that's probably a name for that consumerist. Yeah, no, I bet there's something more specific. There's something. There's a way to describe people who procure superfluous things in the interest of. Minimalism. It's me. When um,
0: <laughs> I work out, I like to do non-regul, like non-regulated, non-standardized workouts. Like I like, I like throwing a barbell, but I would prefer, I prefer like a water can or a sandbag or a duffel bag filled with shit because of the stability it provides. Like life is not as regulated as a barbell with plates on each end. It's not, I'm not like a functional fitness weirdo, not a vegan or a crossfitter, but I like non-standardized things because I just think that's more, especially to me, it's more realistic to the life that I live.
1: In another life you might have been a farmer.
0: I I consider it regularly. <laughs> Ranching specifically. I don't want to grow alfalfa, I wanna, you know, raise cattle. Um one of the things that's always kind of intrigued me are the uh are sandbags purpose designed as exercise tools because they have handles. So I finally, with an Amazon gift card accumulation that just occurs over holidays bought a brute force sandbag and I bought the athlete, which is 25 to 75 pound capability. And I read a bunch of reviews and I did the thing that I do before I decided on brute force and I went for a brute force bag. And I was like, man, it's like a hundred and some bucks for a bag with handles. (laughs) but it's also not because somebody else is paying for it. So I'm like, what the fuck, whatever. I was in kind of one of those like moods. I just didn't care. It, it, it was good I wasn't looking at watches because it would have been, I don't know, divorce territory. And even after I bought it, I was kind of like, mm, why am I paying this much money for this bag to just hold sand? Because it has handles and has logo on it. And I came in the mail day. And I haven't filled it up. I get it. I hundred percent get it. They're all their reviews are like the Cordura is in great shape, the stitching's great, the handles are well placed. This thing's never going to leak sand, and none of these, based on my initial assessment of this thing, were paid reviews. This thing is no bullshit not just thick cordura but waterproof cordura Mm -hmm. the stitching is robust the zipper is no bullshit the zipper on the filler bags is no bullshit i i don't i accept that it's as much money as i paid for it
1: well yeah it's made in the united states it's made in the usa it's and, and if there's a word to describe this thing, just looking at it, robust. I would say overbuilt. Although yeah, that's a better word. O- overbuilt is is not appropriate because it's probably built exactly. It's intended
0: to be used much, violently. That's right. Fill it with sand and do whatever you want to it, and it will not fail.
1: You've got Xbox stitches at all the intersections. Yeah, it's, it's it, yeah. I mean, you can it, just tell from you can tell from five feet away that it's it's a really strong thing and then you put it in your hand and you're like oh well
0: that was a so i opened it up and i picked it up and i said i get it yep because i i've i love water cans because the weight shifts and it improves your stability it, it's a very functional weight lifting and fitness activity because real life isn't stabilized on both sides and precise mm-hmm. real life is messy it shifts it's you can deadlift 500 pounds and blow your back out while you're tying your shoe because you sneezed. That's just the reality. So when you train in a way that is dynamic and shifting, it, imp- it mitigates those things happening in a way that can still happen. And you shouldn't sneeze while you're tying your shoe. <laughs> That's just... Once you're over thirty, don't sneeze while you're tying your shoe. If Common knowledge, everybody knows if that. If you think you're going to sneeze, fall down, straighten out, sneeze. <laughs> just accept the shame of the of the fall and sneeze, <laughs> or stand up. Those are those are your two options. Sometimes sneezes come on quick, though. <laughs> you might just need to fall. <laughs> um, but I, I've I've bought few things where I was like, like thrown a flyer, and then immediately got it and been like. I get it. Usually you throw a flyer and you're like, oh, I accept this is a hundred percent. I get it.
1: Well, I'm excited to hear you, uh, give the full report once you've used it, because I think this is the type of thing that it can be built. However, well it wants to be. I'm
0: going to, I'm going to put it through some abuse. I'm gonna go to Lowe's tomorrow and buy 70 bag, 70 pounds, so <laughs> many
1: bags. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> a little, that might be overkill.
0: Yeah, it's too money. Um, by, 70 pounds of sand and fill it up and, and start incorporating into my workout.
1: And you'll report back. Yeah. So I've got another thing. Do me. So last week I talked about my new saw, my silky gone boy.
0: You're a gone boy fanboy.
1: I'm a gone boy fanboy. And we got some comments. People were like, this is cool. Gardening tools on 40 and 20. I'm all here, I'm here for it. And so I told some people. That there was going to be a follow-up that a second gardening tool mm. that i picked up and to stay tuned i am not going to talk about that this week
0: a <sighs> teaser i'm Just going to save tip. that
1: man i had intended to talk about that this week i'm going to save it for a week because something happened last week and i and i have to talk about it now so getting disbarred <laughs> <laughs> i watched a show on apple tv Apple television? Apple. Apple TV. It's not called Apple television. Okay. <laughs> on Apple TV. Regular television is television. It's Apple TV. <laughs> I watched a show on Apple TV. It's one of these that I've seen the tile for and I just didn't watch because for whatever reason. And I'm not even sure why. Um, it was just, I think the thing was I hadn't heard any buzz. So I flipped by and sometimes if you see a new tile, you don't hear buzz. You're like,
0: meh. God, imagine if
1: somebody 15 years ago was listening to what you're saying right now? Right so i i'm flipping by i see the show called severance it's got adam scott i don't even have apple tv and i know about severance so i had never heard of it and finally i'm like kim we should watch severance and she's like well what's it about i'm like i don't know i kind of read a little bit it says like you, you know you you can't remember what happens at work i don't know i don't know
0: what a dream
1: so right now we're in between as we record this we're in between the ninth and tenth episodes i think anyway the the season finale comes out this friday so if you are hearing this on thursday you have approximately 36 hours to watch the first eight or nine episodes or you have a really good weekend to look forward to and i recommend it It is so good. It's scary. It's funny. It's intriguing. The acting is incredible. It's got John Turturro in it. It's got Christopher Walken. It's got Adam Scott. Who's one of the more
0: underrated actors of his era? Walken? No, Adam Scott.
1: But (laughs) Christopher
0: Walken, I'm just saying, in his (laughs) cowbell skit. Yes. It just, it really...
1: It shows his depth, and you, <laughs> and you know who he plays in this show. He plays Christopher Walken. Uh, yeah, better it, than anyone else
0: could ever play Christopher Walken, <laughs> and nobody knows him.
1: <laughs> it's so I don't even want to say any. I don't. You know, it's one of these things. I don't want to say too much. But basically, the the gist no is it's early on. There's an implant put in these people's head that makes it such that when they go to work they forget who they are in the outside world and when they get off work they go back to the regular life so it basically makes they have outies and innies so the innies life is separate from the outies life
0: perfect and, se- perfect work-life balance yeah
1: <laughs> well that is, that that term comes up quite a bit you, you know if you even spend like two or three minutes thinking about this, you'll you'll come to some of the conflicts that present themselves in the show. But then obviously, you know, there's more to it than that. Um, gosh, it's good. And I can't wait for the last episode.
0: Some of the best shows have the most simple premise. Yeah. What yeah. if you couldn't remember what happened to you at work that day?
1: Yeah, that's right. And and, and like this comes up pretty early. Like, if you hated your job and wanted to quit, how would you communicate that to your Audi? Because your Audi doesn't know every, everything is fine. They go yeah. home and everything is fine. So you hate your job, and there's no way to tell the person who has the power to quit that you hate your job. How do you How do you resolve that?
0: You don't quit your job. You just accept your paycheck. <laughs>
1: It's fantastic. It's really, really good. The acting is very good. The story, the pacing is good. The pacing is good, and it's one of these shows where I think the pacing isn't good until it until it moves it along, and then I'm like, oh no, the pacing is that. Yeah. the pacing is perfect. Uh, so yeah, can't recommend it enough. Uh, season finale coming out this Friday. Where this is not a paid spot. Mm-mm. Apple television is not paying us.
0: They're not sponsoring this episode <laughs> of 40 and 20. Uh, or he, Everett. He's in fact paying for it. I'll say to uh, Yellowstone's Yellowstone season four, very much the same. It brought back into balance the needless drama.
1: Yeah. 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 Like when it ended, I was like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. I, I was a little, I was like, man, I'm so used to big things happening. Yeah. It's like Breaking Bad Season 5. It's like, well, it's kind of boring. Yeah. What? Uh, Set
0: too high a bar.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, yeah. anything else you want to add before we go for the day? Amount of things. You know, I am too. So I'm just going to thank you. And I'll thank you for joining us for this episode of of the Watch Clicker Podcast. If you want, you should check us out on our website, watchclicker.com. We post every single episode of this podcast there but also weekly reviews, articles, pretty good shit, especially as of late. You can also check us out on Instagram at watch clicker at 40 and 20. If you want to support the show, you can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. It's where we get all the money that we need for hosting and microphones. We've got like 85 microphones at this point. I break them. <laughs> And all the other expenses that we have. If you want to support us, we'd love it if you did that. Patreon.com forty and twenty. And don't forget to tune in next week for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like.
0: Bye-bye.